You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. AKA Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from bicyclists who have pedaled to places all over the U.S. Each week, we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? All right, well, on the show today is Rob Knoth. Hey, Rob. Hey, Kathy. How are you doing today? Fantastic. How are you doing? Good. It's a nice, uh, dreary, rainy weather here in Iowa, but I guess that beats um, snow. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends what kind of bike you're riding. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it, it is no bad weather. There's only bad bike choices. Right. Yeah. I'd have to. If I was out today, I'd be on the bike with fenders for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to have you on the show to talk about some of your adventures via bike packing, and you specialized in creating like bike packing routes that were suitable for families. So I really want to get into that. But why don't we start out by having you tell the listeners a little bit about where you live and what uh, being on a bicycle is like there? Yeah, definitely. So um, uh, my family and I, we live in uh, Bend, Oregon. Uh, and so that's just on the uh, sunny side of the mountains in Oregon. Uh, so it's a high desert. You know, we get snow in the winter. It's a great place to ride. We're you know, very fortunate. It's uh, right at the juncture of, you know, where the mountains merge into the high desert. So if you ride west, you've you know, got beautiful, you know, forested volcanic slopes. If you go east, you've got lots of fun, you know, juniper and sage desert single track. So it's a great mix of lots of mazes of gravel roads and beautiful mm-hmm. flowy single track. Uh, but probably the thing that you know sets it all off the most of what we like riding around here is uh, there's not a whole lot of people in Oregon. And, and But those that are here, you know, we all love it intensely. And so you don't really run into a lot of people. Um, and it's a great place to ride. Awesome. Um, And it sounds beautiful. It's fun. Yeah. (laughs) I actually am going to be in Bend, Oregon in August uh, for a wedding. And so I'm trying really hard to figure out how to extend that trip a couple more days so that I can go out and enjoy, you know, the mountains or a bike ride or a hike or something. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a great season. And definitely, you know, it's not the easiest place to get to. So if you're going to make the effort to get here from Iowa... You got to ride. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of riding there, do you have a couple like specific great places that you would either recommend people ride or that you always ride? Yeah, definitely. And, and it all depends on what you're looking for. And that's, you know, kind of the thing that um, we love about, you know, being here and the kind of riding that we have is that, you know, we have everything from uh, more technical, you know, black diamond single track riding to the mountain here just opened up a uh, lift accessible mm. downhill park, which uh, we've yet to try uh, to just, you know, days and days of gravel roads um, and everything. But, you know, for me specifically, we're fortunate and I'm kind of the daily driver ride is either uh, Phil's Trails, which is like a maze of single track that's just to the west of town or any of the Deschutes uh, National Forest gravel roads when it's kind of, you know, mucky out, uh, like mm-hmm. right now in the shoulder season, single tracks kind of at a premium mm-hmm. uh, on the west side. Uh, and so, but, you know, you can easily put out a 50 mile loop on a gravel bike without 
blinking an eye. So nice. I did some but, uh, yeah. gravel riding this past weekend, uh, just on my fat bike. But it it was kind of cheating because you know after you've had a winter of lots of snow, there wasn't a whole lot of gravel. It was more just like packed down mud, dirt. But still, what a blast. That's not cheating at all. You're turning <laughs> the pedals and it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, when you talk about all these different choices as far as where to bike, do you have a bike of choice or I probably should say bikes of choice? I mean, I, I heartily believe, in, and, and this is one thing that I think, especially with, with respect to bike packing, it's an important thing to, to get the message out there that you got to ride what you have mm-hmm. uh, and that it's really nice to have a good quiver. Um, you know, it can improve your enjoyment or let you access farther you know, distances, but it's really easy to, I think, get lost in all of the specialization and equipment and types of bikes and gear and get worried that you need xyz or you can't do it and and, you know that's that's not true um but that being said a good quiver helps you enjoy it a lot more and so i think for me it's really kind of you know my uh fatback rhino uh which is you know kind of a beautiful daily driver in the winter and the shoulder seasons but even you know in in the summer I, i love that as like my uh, bike packing rig of choice uh, for any of our you know family-based adventures. Uh, really, those uh, fat tires help chew up a lot of the dusty gravel, mm-hmm. etc., without getting bogged down. And it's fun to ride on snow. On the other spectrum of that, uh, for like faster gravel riding, of a Kona Sutra LTD. Mm. Uh, it's a newer member to my quiver. You know, I've mostly stayed on the mountain bike side, but it's kind of fun to go fast. And- <laughs> <laughs> So that's been a lot of fun to explore, but I really haven't taken that bike packing yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third one, and I, I, I couldn't talk about, you know, riding and especially the topic you want to get into about family riding without mentioning the tandem. Yeah. Um, you know, we, uh, my son and I ride a Cannondale tandem, uh, 29er, and that's been vehicle of adventure for many, many good adventures. It's uh, it's not a sexy bike, but it's amazing what it does in terms of your whole family's enjoyment when you're out riding fun, big rides that you would do on your own without you know thinking twice. Mm-hmm. And how old is your son that is on, I'm assuming he's on the back of the tandem? Yep. Yeah. So uh, Max, uh, our son is nine mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, he's a very enthusiastic rider, uh, you know, just has to grow a few more inches and we'll be uh, setting him up with his own fat bike as well. Right now, he's a pretty powerful stoker. That's awesome. I assume you bike year round. Yes. yes. Um, in the past, prior to fat bikes, you know, definitely it was more of like, you know, spring, summer, fall. Uh, and then in the winter, I would have a, you know, my road bike set up on a trainer in the garage. But now with a fat bike and, you know, more especially just, I think, my own mental shift, it's really fun to ride you around. And it just depends on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like definitely the more the bigger popularity of gravel, the bigger variety of tires and equipment for it. Uh, it's it's kind of changed, I think, all of our mindset about what riding year-round can be. Definitely. And what a change in my mindset from years ago where I felt like you had to go really fast to get a good workout. But <laughs> let me tell you, you get get those fat tires rolling, and if it's any sort of mud, dirt, gravel, snow – 
you, you can get a sweat going pretty quick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and that's, you know, actually been like one thing that, uh, the, a fat bike I think is it really helps open up a lot of people's eyes as far as just possibilities. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people look at them and think, Oh, you, you, that's only for you riding in the snow or whatever, but tremendously fun on, you know, everything from gravel, you know, to single track, uh, definitely feel a little silly when you're, you know, plowing down like a paved road on them, but the loops and whatnot that you can open up um, really make them fun. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. Well, when you're not out biking, where can you be found? Um, in the winter, regularly get out to do uh, family downhill skiing. Mm. Uh, you know, that's, that's been a lot of fun, especially as our son's gotten older. Uh, you know, we do quite a bit of traveling and adventure, uh, you know, with and without the bikes. Um, took a really fun family trip to Sri Lanka a few years ago that, mm. uh, was, was a lot of a lot of fun you know as far as sports i spent a lot of my youth climbing um but now it's kind of a hundred percent focus you know more on you know family bike packing and and whatnot mm-hmm. um you know for paying the bills at work uh you know my wife and i we both work out of the house um you know she owns her own business and uh i work remotely for a, a software company in california and uh, we do quite a bit of volunteer work for a charity in town, uh, Family Kitchen, mm. um, which uh, helps you know feed the hungry. Other than that, it's a whole lot of riding. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, is Mount Hood in Bend or is that Portland? Uh, so that's just outside of Portland. Uh, okay. But kind of, you know, there's a spine of mountains that goes up and down uh, Oregon, uh, the Cascades, and Hood's the very farthest north one, uh, just to the west of us, we've got like a, a small range of them, the three sisters, Mount Bachelor, Broken Top, and then just a little bit north of that, Mount Jefferson. Okay. I was lucky enough one summer, I think it was like mid-June, that we were able to go skiing down uh, Mount Hood, which was crazy because, you know, early in the morning, skiing was great. Well, then it got real slushy because, of course, the temperature. Yep. And then so they'd kind of shut it down for a few hours. And then once around dusk time, they reopened. And oh, my gosh, it was so much fun (laughs) it's it's pretty neat i mean and that's you know one of the great things about oregon is you really do have a good variety of of sports accessible all year round Mm -hmm. yeah like we're entering into the season now here in bend it's real often that you know you'll be doing uh, downhill skiing and and mountain biking in the same day and you know just without blinking an eye well okay so if people are envisioning all the fun things that you do, your Instagram account is just awesome. You have great photos. And I, I actually wrote down Adventure with a capital A because I just think that <laughs> you and your fam are out doing fun stuff all the time, or at least documenting it well. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, it, we do tend to, especially in the summer, we get out pretty much every weekend uh, to go bikepacking. Mm-hmm. And some of those are big trips. And some of those are, you know, just ride from our house and camp out and ride back. Yeah. Uh, but we like to keep it very frequent. Yeah. And I know um, when we were emailing back and forth, you mentioned you were going on a overnight uh, backpacking trip with your son, which I was like super jealous about. I'm like, what? It's like a 
the middle of the week. This is so cool. But um, do you want to get into a little bit about, you know, bikepacking suitable for families and how you got into that and just, you know, a little bit about what you want to share? Yeah, definitely. It's something that we're all, you know, our whole family uh, is very passionate about. You know, it. I would say just to kind of preface like how we got into it, that riding as a family is it's really very liber- liberating and, and amazing. Mm-hmm. It just needs a little different mindset, right, than what you would do just riding solo or, or just riding with a group of adults. But the key thing, though, is that mindset shift doesn't require it to become lame, you know, like it it doesn't mean (laughs) limit your goals, right? It doesn't mean, you know, like put a a break on your ambition. Uh, And I think a lot of cyclists come into it with that mindset. And so they, they poo poo it, but what we've really found, and, you know, I give my wife a ton of credit for this. She's been a a big instigator and, and, and definitely our son being open and flexible to this has really helped. But We've accomplished and, and gone on rides that you know I would have never imagined you know before we started this journey that we would have tackled, and the whole thing is you just got to kind of look for a new way to make some of these big goals happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the end experience is so much richer when you're out there with your whole family uh, than when you're just by yourself. You know, it, it all kind of got summed up I think with you know the last day when we were on the the Baja Divide. Cape Loop. So like before we were finishing up and we were, had just finished breakfast and, you know, finished the last of our water. And my wife kind of looked over at me and and she just said, you know, I'm not ready to go home yet. Uh You know, and it's just when you've figured out a way to make bikepacking work as a family, that adventure becomes sustainable and self-perpetuating. That's just what makes it amazing. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, but I guess to, to answer your question, to, so how we got into this, though, it really started, we weren't living in Bend at the time, we were in Portland, and, um, you know, there's a lot of work stress, and uh, we weren't real happy with kind of where we were living and, you know, the sacrifices we were making, and so we, my wife and I both rode a ton um, independently before that, and you know, but we were really missing sort of the easy access of wilderness and the outdoors that we had in Bend. And so a lot of stress built up there. Mm-hmm. And one weekend, I just sort of decided to take my son and I, he was about four. Uh, my wife had some other obligations that weekend. And so Max and I went out on uh, just an overnight uh, to where like the Deschutes River empties into the Columbia. There's a rails to trails path there. And so he's just a little four-year-old and, you know, I had like my road bike commuter with a heavy Adams uh, trailer bike attached (laughs) to it and strapped all sorts of things with bungee cords on the bike. And, you know, he was wearing like rubber galoshes and it's a heat wave and, (laughs) you know, just like it was ridiculous and we got like you know like flats every like tenth of a mile and you know ran out of tubes and you know i think maybe we we went a whole of like three or four miles right um and i'm cursing the whole thing and thinking what am i and what am i doing i'm so stupid on this but then we stopped and we found a place to camp down by the river and, you know, went swimming and laughed at the fact that the Hershey bar I had brought for his dessert was like this melted puddle of goo. And, you know, <laughs> and, 
and then you know made dinner and set up like you know just laid our sleeping bags out with a bug net over it and night fell and he fell asleep and then the moon rises over the canyon edge and it's all ghostly white and i woke him up and we just like sat there and just watched it and you know we were hooked from yeah. then on so i'm hooked just thinking yeah. about it just like listening <laughs> to this but a quick interruption to tell you this week's sponsor is thirsty pigs a full-service mobile event company offering beer wine spirits plus catering for any indoor or outdoor event check out more at thirstypigs.com now back to the show before we get into some of the trips that you've been on, like how do you actually define bikepacking? Because you mentioned, you know, like that first trip, you were bungee cording everything and you've got the heavy uh, tag along behind you. But do you define bikepacking a specific way? Yes and no. Um, I think it, it, it comes in so many forms. And, and in many ways, I think it, you can almost use it interchangeably with bike touring. It's mm-hmm. all a state of mind, mm-hmm. you know. There's not a specific bike you need or a specific way you're going to pack your stuff. or It's just more this flexibility that you have. And I'd say that if, if anything, what I would kind of attach more to bike packing is in general, you take more of a backpacking mindset as mm-hmm. opposed to a car camping mindset. And so, you know, you're traveling a little lighter, but your goal is to get a little more off the beaten path. And so you're not really, you know, riding tons of paved roads. In general, you're going to be more on gravel or single track. Um, But that's all flexible, right? Like last spring break, um, you know, we were going to go do a bikepacking trip down in Utah and got rained out. So we ended up just piecing something together in Oregon where we went from, you know, little B&Bs and hotels and didn't camp at all. And so that was technically a bike tour but you know, our son still refers to that as one of his favorite bike packing trips mm-hmm. right so you know i don't think you've i don't get too bent out of shape about the the terminology but yeah in general i'd say you just carry a little less and you know you're riding a little more wild right and anytime whether it's touring or bike packing it's basically just taking your stuff with you and going so whether it's like you said um less pavement or you know, Airbnbs the whole way. To me, it's still total adventure. Exactly. Exactly. It's all, it's all state of mind. Yeah. Well, give us some highlights of uh, some of the bikepacking trips that you've been on. Sure. Uh, I'd say probably the one that, you know, really sticks out in my mind, probably the most was maybe in many ways, some of our our most adventurous one we've done today. It is uh, last, uh, not this past Christmas, but the one before that, we did the uh, Baja Divide Cape Loop. Um, and so for people who don't know, the Baja Divide is this beautiful route that uh, Nicholas Carmen and Leo Wilcox put together that goes down the spine of the Baja Peninsula. So from San Diego all the way down to the end. At the very bottom, the route kind of makes uh, almost like a, looks like an exclamation mark. So you got this little loop at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we uh, flew in to San Jose del Cabo and you know, I had packed up our bikes and in boxes. And if anyone's ever flown with a tandem, you know, my hat's off to you because <laughs> that's non-trivial uh, to trick into a cardboard bike box. Uh, but we made it work. Wow. Um, I dusted off my high school Spanish and, you know, we 
spent two and a half weeks, you know, circling, going across from the you know Pacific Ocean to the Sea of Cortez and, and back down and camped half the time, stayed in, you know, little hotels half the time, ate 141 tacos between the three of us. Um, <laughs> you know, and it was it was great. And, you know, tons of stuff broke. You know, but we were able to fix it and, you know, kept going. And it was a it was a really magical time, you know, and like some real memorable parts of that, like when we first rolled out of San Jose del Cabo and we were starting it and everything was kind of going great. And we had heard about this stretch that was called the power line stretch that was just supposed to be this nasty, like ankle deep sand for, you know, several kilometers. Mm. And I kind of looked at our map and estimated where I thought that was. And so I'm like, okay, well, we'll just ride the pavement a little farther and skip it and patted myself on the back and thought that we had made a great route choice. You know, so we're riding and we get off the pavement and we get onto the track and immediately encountered the steepest hike bike we had ever done as a family. And, you know, this is like our first day. We're only out a couple hours and we're thinking, Oh my God, like what, what are we doing? And then we get to the top of that and we have a little lunch and then we like start riding and I'm thinking, okay, but at least we didn't have that power line section. And then I see over the horizon, this big long stretch of power lines. And I'm like, this road's going right there. And sure enough, like, you know, for the next few hours, we were like, you know, ride a few feet, get off, push, ride a few feet, get off, push. You know, it's just like, it's terrible. There's like no shade. And we're all just grumpy and, you know, kind of mad. And either way, we finally get through it. And then we look over to our right, and there's a paved road, the one that we were on before, you know, maybe about a quarter of a mile away. And we all just, like, looked at that and started just cackling maniacally. Um <laughs> You know, but from then on, it was it was really good, you know, but I would say that I definitely I, I had some real mental highs and lows on that trip. Like, you know, the uh, uh, a rallying cry of our family became Arroyo time when like, you know, an Arroyo is like this uh, dry riverbed that like cuts through your path. Mm. And so while you might be looking at your day's elevation and thinking, oh, sweet, you know, I got a 30 mile. It's mostly downhill. But you'll end up doing thousands of feet of climbing over that because you drop into this little hole and climb back out. And it's too small to show up on any kind of elevation profile. But you do that over and over and it uh, it works. Yeah. But uh, but no, it was it was really great. It was a fantastic trip. It really I think as a family, it it brought us together even closer, you know, depending mm-hmm. on each other, being in some hard situations, being in some fun situations, you know, it's sure not bad camping on the beach and, you know, swimming in the ocean and eating good tacos and enjoying a wonderful society. Like it, uh, it was a really good trip and it really broadened my horizon and our horizons to what, what's possible uh, with riding. Well, and not to mention, I'm still stuck on the fact that you were able to get a tandem bike into a cardboard box. Like... <laughs> it was, um, I ended up getting two fat bike boxes and uh, mating them together yeah. and then uh, creative uses of duct tape so it didn't look too um, unnatural right. <laughs> um, and uh, some really, fr- you know, God bless Alaska Airlines and their baggage handlers and check-in people. Um, no one batted an eye at it. 
And then the other thing I'm amazed by is um, the quantity of tacos. Like I think, <laughs> but I think I would have done like double that because you just you can't beat a good taco when you're out in that sort of Amen. atmosphere. <laughs> Amen. No, it's uh, it's fantastic, and and I've got to say that you know for anyone who you know is at all curious, um, that route is it, it's it's hard, it's fun, um, but the, you know the people are friendly, and man, you're right, you can't beat a good taco. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great, and that was the Baja Divide, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and kind of you know I'd say like a, another trip that kind of contrast that then you know is is the one i was telling you about uh over email um so this you know with the the coronavirus kind of you know locking things down Mm -hmm. um i travel a lot for work and you know so all of a sudden that's gone and you know our son um his school's canceled until the uh end of april so we kind of looked at it and he and i just you know i just had a morning uh, or an e- afternoon when I didn't have a lot of meetings. And then, you know, the next day I didn't have, you know, much to do in the morning. So he and I just loaded up our bikes and headed out of town and, uh, you know, grabbed burritos on the way out and, you know, just camped overnight and woke up at 5 a.m. the next day and brushed the frost off our bags and rolled back by headlamp and, you know, got back here. But, you know, before uh, anyone was awake or the sun was up and, Bike packing and, and any kind of bike travel doesn't have to be big. It just mm-hmm. it's gotta stoke the fire in your heart and you know, little things like that overnight, um those are some of the most powerful trips uh that we've met on. Oh yeah. And a lot of doing things like that with the bike packing is more the experience, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't really matter where you're going or how long it takes you to get there, but it's like the the little moments where you're you know, ankle deep in sand and you're pushing it through and you're, you know, you're <laughs> mad at everybody and mad at the world. And then probably the next day you're like, that was the best part of my day yesterday. And you're, you're so right. And it's not even the next day. It'll be like the next hour. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and bikepacking, it, it's most people who do it have a certain appreciation for type two fun, you mm-hmm. know, like the, the stuff that's fun, not when you're doing it, but afterwards. And you end up encountering that so much with this kind of a sport, but it makes all those experiences richer right. and uh, it's addictive. Right, definitely. Well, you touched a, a little bit on it, but how would you describe biking with young people? You know how you said it's it's way different than when you've got a bunch of the guys with you or you and your wife are on a ride. So how mm-hmm. would you describe like some of the differences when you have somebody young with you? That's a good question. And and it really is something, you know, like uh, we try to plan out and create a lot of right routes to help families, you know, just like us, you know, get out and experience this. On one side, riding with young people is no different, you know, than any kind of riding you do. You just have to think a little more about distances. Um, it's really more about it's a cheesy expression, but it's more about, you know, the smiles than the miles. Mm. You know, as a parent, you can't get aggro on your kid, right? Like their legs are shorter, their you know their wheels are smaller. Mm-hmm. They're they're working their hearts off, and and you don't want to get them to hate this thing that you love. And so, when your kid is kind of done riding, you got to be ready to be done riding, right. you know. And so, when we're planning trips, usually it's no more. Even if we're riding on the tandem, we'll try to stick to thirty miles a day. 
um, you know, less than that if he's riding his own bike. You know, you try to make sure that your campsites are fun. You know, it's not just like, oh, here's where we stopped, right? And so being a little more creative about knowing where lakes, rivers, mm. you know, places of water are, um, being smarter about when you take breaks, um, you know, so that you kind of enjoy it. But it teaches you to kind of enjoy not just the time on the bike, but the time off the bike mm-hmm. uh, as well. And and that's a key thing is just really riding with kids helps you just appreciate the world more Mm -hmm. you know you're not just white line fever pounding out the miles Um, now you've mentioned a couple times like you know when you when you're talking about riding as a family um, and creating routes do you actually share those with other families or do you have a resource that you go to or do you just look at a map and say I've got to figure this out on my own hands down the most valuable utility you know for bikepacking period whether it's you know by yourself or families yeah ride with gps um mm. it's a, a software service uh free to use you know we're uh ambassadors for them also um but it's a kind of a open source mapping platform um and it is so critical because you can better not only see routes other people have ridden but Mm -hmm. you can share your routes um you know and on them it'll have not just the roads you're riding but you know you annotate it up to here's where a good camp is or here's where good water is or you know here's a store things like that and so it's so much easier for you to take routes that you know other people have ridden and see okay well that would work for us or, Hey, okay. Well, if I change it a little bit, you know, yeah. Okay. I could make this into a family route. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, definitely a absolutely critical resource because when you're bikepacking and you're doing more stuff that is on forest roads or, you know, single track or things like that, you won't have a ton of signage that you would, you know, when you're riding in towns mm-hmm. or things like that. So uh, a utility like ride with GPS is so valuable to make sure that you're spending more time riding and enjoying than, you know, face into a map trying to figure out, is this junction of three unnamed roads, this one or that one? <laughs> um, right. I couldn't imagine pulling off like, you know, we've done uh, week plus long trips out, you know, where we don't go through towns, you know, on the east side of Oregon, where, you know, if I had to do that on a map, there's no way I'd plan things as ambitious as what you can pull off with these kind of mapping software. Mm-hmm. And I have used Ride with GPS before, and I agree it's a great resource. And the the neat thing I like about it is that it it's an app on your phone, so you can use it live, you know, and have it mounted on your uh, bike handlebars. But you can also like use it as research, you know, like yep, the weekend before you're getting ready for a trip, you can log on and look at like you said what other people have posted you know reviews about stuff and I, it's just a great resource yeah a- amen uh, it's you know i feel like so many things kind of came together where you know that it's made bikepacking this popular uh you know bikes and and wheel sizes and, and bags are, are are one but uh, ride with GPS and, you know, the other kind of like GPS based mapping software, that's a critical piece of the story. Mm-hmm. 
I have asked this question to other people on this podcast, and uh, you can't say ride with GPS because we already talked about that. But do you have any luxury items that you really don't need, but you always take along on bike trips? I would definitely say that ride with GPS. <laughs> I would not qualify that as a luxury. Item. That's a necessity, uh, right? <laughs> that's a necessity for me. Um, otherwise, my routes wouldn't be that long. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I think the easiest answer for me to this is no, Uh I don't qualify them as luxury items because I've already made the decision before I've rolled out of the house. This is important to me. Mm -hmm. And so other people might qualify them as a luxury item, but uh, pool noodles that are masquerading as lightsabers um, have been on our bike several times. And um, I would not qualify that as a luxury item, Um, you know, because we uh, we did this trip over Fourth of July where uh, we were out for a week in the like kind of southern Oregon Cascades and uh, there's some really hot steep long climbs and we would stop at the top of each of them and we had three pool noodles that um, you know we had kind of pretended were lightsabers and uh, we would have sword fights at the top of each of these climbs. And our family really got to look forward to them. And mm-hmm. sure, you know, carrying a pool noodle is vaguely ridiculous on a bikepacking trip, but keeping the family stoke alive so that you're not just getting beat down by mosquitoes and long climbs, that's, that's pretty invaluable. Yeah, um, I and agree. Like for Baja, we carried a set of kind of battery-powered Christmas lights, and we would string those on the inside of our tent at night. And that's, you could say luxury Uh, on the other side. That was kind of nice. It it helped with reading. So you didn't have to burn your headlamp. And yeah, it just was a little more festive. It was Christmas. (laughs) Christmas every night. That's awesome. Exactly. Do you have any um, adventures on the calendar for this year, 2020? It's a really good question. Um, (laughs) So we had originally planned over Christmas, uh, this past Christmas, to go ride the Sky Islands Loop uh, in southern Arizona. Um, and that got nixed because of rain and snow down there. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, we had planned a pretty big trip over the Oregon spring break. But, um, you know, with kind of the situation that's going on now with coronavirus, uh, I think we'll probably be doing a lot of day rides. Mm. And, you know, originally we had planned in June to be headed to Spain. Um, there's this beautiful route out there called the Montañas Vacias uh, route that's like a huge loop out in um, southeastern Spain uh, that's been put together and mm. uh, featured on bikepacking.com. So we were planning on heading out there, uh, but we'll see what happens in June, you know? Uh, But that's definitely the the biggest one. But I would say overall, you know, just looking forward to, you know, more riding as a family, you know, every year our son gets older and gets more ambitious on what he's going to ride by himself. Um, And so there'll be plenty of good rides in Oregon and hopefully, uh, you know, some good international ones. Yeah. Well, and even those day trips, though, I mean, I guess they aren't technically, they don't need to be on the calendar, but they sometimes make up uh, some of the best adventures. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Heartily yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have to tell, you know, families who have young ones, you know, that they need to go check out Ride With GPS. But do you have any other advice you would give somebody who's maybe thinking, you know, I've got a 
uh, preteen, not sure if they'd be in for biking. Like what, what, what sort of advice would you give them? I'd say biggest one, just go, just do it. You know, make it easy. Don't make it complicated. Make it if possible, something you can ride from your house. Um, people of all ages, there's a magic to not just riding a bike, but when you can ride a bike and camp and then you ride back, it opens up this childlike wonder and also this infinite set of possibilities that you can go off and do. Um, and so I would say, don't worry about what gear you have. Everyone's got a sleeping bag somewhere and some bungee cords mm-hmm. and a bike. And you load that up, little thing for some water. You know, don't be afraid about bringing, you know, like, burritos or a slice of cold pizza you don't have to know how to use a camping stove you don't have to you don't have godlike bicycle repairability you know the worst thing that'll happen is you have to walk a little bit Mm -hmm. um so just go find some public land near you and you know make it happen Mm -hmm. and it's it's especially for you know families who have young kids or older kids, biking is such a great equalizer, you know, because if you're going to go backpacking, the difference between what an adult can do and a kid can do is pretty big. Um, If you're going to just ride your bikes, that equalizes things out really quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether you're using a tandem or trail a bike or, you know, everyone's on their own bike, you can still get up to some good trouble. And, uh, you know, and it, it, again, it really helps you know, all the members of the family. So true. Probably time to get another bike packing trip on the calendar right now. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for being on the podcast and uh, hopefully you and your wife um, are set for many, many bike packing trips to come as well as your son, Max. Definitely. It's, uh, you can't, can't count us down. And so they might be modified a bit with, you know, what's going on with coronavirus, Mm -hmm. but, uh, there's always something on the horizon. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. And I'd definitely like to, uh, you know, give a shout out to, you know, ride with GPS for helping out, Mm -hmm. uh, fat back bikes. Uh, we also, you know, a strong supporter of those guys. Uh, mm-hmm. They make really excellent machines uh, out there. And then two local trail associations that have, you know, been big help for a lot of the adventures we've done. Uh, the Oregon Timber Trail, uh, led by Gabe Amadeus, uh, spanning like a single track route all the way on the length of Oregon. And then our local uh, trail organization, uh, CODA, here in Bend, uh, is, you know, responsible for keeping all of our single track open. And we can't do it without volunteers like that. We just can't. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot, Kathy. Well, that's it for this week. A big thanks goes out to Rob for sharing his family-focused bike adventures this week. Thanks, Rob. So email me your topics or names of cyclists you find interesting at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. Also, check out morphologypodcast.com to find all kinds of great info. I will leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This quote comes from Karen Salmonson. Anxiety happens when you think you have to figure out everything all at once. Breathe. You're strong. You got this. Take it day by day. Think about it.